0: Well, uh, hello everybody. I haven't ever done a live podcast like this, so uh, if I screw up, you can give me some notes afterwards, and I'll see if I read them, and and I'm sure our guests will be perfect. Well, thanks for being a guest on this episode here. Why don't we uh, start with introductions, starting at the end there.
1: Sure. Um, I'm Chloe Condon. I am a former actress-turned-software
2: engineer from San Francisco. Yourself? I'm Julie Stark. I am an office manager and an aspiring developer.
3: Uh, Noah Kantrowitz. I'm a DevOps engineer slash generalist for SAP. Hi,
4: I'm James Wickett. Uh, I work at Signal Sciences, uh, doing a lot of engineering work over there, and. uh Doing a lot of security
0: stuff. That's right. We got another Austin person. That's right. Oh yeah, also from Austin. Yes. That's right. We we can that's complain right. about the barbecue here, right. or or we should be gentlemen and be like, "This barbecue is great." I have nothing to say about the say, fact that this brisket is really dry and cut strange. You, you ate, but I'll say the sauce is delicious. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very spicy, and you can't screw up coleslaw, so that's that's good stuff. <laughs> uh, so don't ride me out on a rail. Uh, I would appreciate that. So, uh, well. Uh, I have some questions here. Uh, I, I apologize for the formulaicness of this question, but I was reading that Google SRE book recently, and and you, you read through it, and you're like, and I think they even say this, like, I don't think they do DevOps, right? Like, as the way we understand it. They have a whole separate team of people who are more like, uh, they more do like operations people who code, which sounds great, but they don't have sort of like that original idea of, uh, let's let's have the developers and the ops people, people all on the same team, and, the developers get paged when something goes wrong and all, all, all of the, uh, not to editorialize overly, but all the mythical DevOps sorts of stuff. So, And then also with the organizations that I talk with, I, I started to think like, does anyone actually do like DevOps fully, like orthodox DevOps? Or are we all kind of like just like lazy Unitarians about it? Like we just kind of like pick and choose the parts we want and like, you know, enjoy our life instead of worrying about following the letter of the law. So uh, I don't know. Who, who wants to go first? I'm not sure I had a question in there, but you can probably sort it out.
3: I mean, I think it's it, it goes back to the same idea as the, the whole Agile movement of, yeah, you pick and choose, because that's the point. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all and is a rejection of the very concept that there is such a thing as a one-size-fits-all policy. Right. So it's like a buffet. It's it's uh, serving suggestions. There you go.
4: <laughs> but I think there is... Uh... You know it's 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 always hard because you're saying like well if if people say hey we we do this and then uh uh and, and these are set of practices and then someone else looks at that and says, well that's not really devops like that that is that kind of adds a little bit of uh uh friction there uh but there I think to your point I feel like a lot of people are are doing devops but they're either young in their transition or they're they're organizationally aligned in different different ways um that inhibits some of the some of the practices that that uh that We talked about, especially in early days of, of DevOps, that that uh, like like developers on call uh, or or uh, uh, really kind of like you you build it, you deploy it, that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. um, some of the, some of the organizational practices kind of inhibit that, and that's uh, I, th- I think sometimes we'll find that's to the detriment. And then sometimes I hear a lot of folks tell me like, "Hey, DevOps didn't work at our shop because you know, whatever." I'm like, "Well, you just renamed your ops team, or, or you did one of those right. one of those normal things." that We often kind of hear. Yeah,
1: I think sometimes people just don't know. People's definition of DevOps can be different. Um, and a lot of times when people say, oh, we don't do DevOps, I say, well, what do you do? And they explain it. And it's like, oh, it sounds a little DevOppy to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what do you, I mean, you gave a talk this morning where you're sort of like, uh, I'm trying to figure out doing all this programming stuff, mm-hmm. which, is, which is good. Uh, like, what's been your perspective of, like, learning about DevOps coming more from the outside and then seeing how it works and actually doesn't play out?
2: I think right now it's the grass is greener on the other side. Cause mm. I'm, I mean, I'm not even in the field I want to be in right now. And, and in my office, we are very siloed. Everybody has their own office. They go in and they shut the door. And I may go days without talking to my boss. So Sounds I, like
4: a dream. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think to some people it would be a dream. But, you know, from where I'm at, I feel like I'm, I'm working remotely, but I still have to go into the office to do that. And it, mm. it just, it's feeling really weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those models, I remember... Uh, Way back in the late 90s, there was that book, Microsurfs, which I think was a good cultural write-up of programming at the time. And to your point, I forget his name, but there was one character who like stayed in his office for a week and would only eat flat food, like food you could put (laughs) underneath the door. And like that, that was sort of like the wizardic uh, sort of like view of a programmer. And I don't know, I mean, it seems like, it seems like with DevOps, a lot of it is, as we were kind of talking about it's, uh, well one, I always think like, you should never assume what you're doing is one good or that you're actually doing anything like systematic. And so if you put any system in place, it'll be better than nothing. And then two, like, yeah, you got to buffet your stuff and figure out like what works out well. All right, well, that's kind of confirms my suspicions that like there's not a lot of places that are like textbook Orthodox DevOps, which, which, uh, which is slight, then it makes it like you were kind of, you do have to go back and revisit this notion of like, if you have a DevOps team, that's wrong, but maybe it's right. Like, like if, if, if you actually do have separate people doing all these roles, you have, like, an SRE type of role, then maybe that pans out.
3: Or, similarly, I, I've seen a fair amount of success in, uh, in teams. What is called the DevOps team is really a platform or core infrastructure team. Yeah, yeah. And, like, sure, if you want to call that the DevOps team, go for it, as long as what you're doing is working for you. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I don't want to hustle pivotal stuff too much, so I won't follow up on that. <laughs> but, but, yes, I'm trying to be polite. So, uh, on, a, on a slightly different topic, so I was talking with... Um, Someone from uh, what's, the, what's the, the table right next to mine, C2O or something, like the people here who, and, and they were they were talking about how they're here for recruiting, or I asked them they didn't volunteer that. And uh, I was asking them uh, like, uh, like is it, how's it hiring around here in Kansas City? And they said it was really hard, which is what everyone says, right? Like everyone's like we can't hire people. And so like I was thinking, I'm kind of like yel else, right? Like I have a philosophy degree, so I just like learned to program. I don't know how. On my own I got I got lucky and I got picked by a uh like a Texas CEO who realized these high school kids they're cheap as hell. So, <laughs> I'll hire them to like work on this online banking software and then and then that's that's how I learned things. So, given that experience and hopefully it's not like too arrogant, like it seems like computers aren't that hard to learn, right? Like it might take you like a year or something, but like it's pretty easy, and in, 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 in that it's not like uh, I don't know learning how to do brain surgery. Like, I mean,
1: I went to a boot camp that was twelve weeks long. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a fire hose of information. I definitely think there's something to be said for a traditional computer science degree, but sure. um, for people you know like myself, and I'm sure like mm-hmm. you who maybe have had a whole career before going into computer science. Um, There are definitely kind of ways to ramp people up. I think the training is really important. Mentorship is super important. Um, And I, I don't know. I get very frustrated, have frustrated having just come out of the job search as a junior engineer only about a year ago that everyone's always saying, where are these unicorn, you know, these diverse, this diverse talent out in the universe and, A lot of places literally aren't letting them through the front door. Mm -hmm. Um, By requiring a CS degree, you're really limiting your candidates. And I think that comes into play. I mean, ask anybody in your office, like, hey, raise your hand if you have a degree. So many of us are self-taught or, you know, nowadays have gone to a boot camp. um, And I think that the more that we kind of open up our internships and apprenticeships and create that training and mentorship the better for all, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good.
0: It's good you, you fast-forwarded to the question I was going to ask because <laughs> so that, that's, that, that's an applicable answer. But like, is it? You think? I mean, do you think it's working? Like, if you were to like stick it on a chart, is it going in the right direction?
1: I think so. I think, you know, it really takes a certain kind of person to go to a boot camp and succeed. Yeah. Um, it's very intense. Uh, if you can imagine imposter syndrome, like, magnify it by 100. Right. Um,
0: so we could hook them up with some medication. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think, it, it, you know, it, it takes a certain personality for sure. But I do think, um, just based on, I mentor a lot of young women in tech mm. and just people with non traditional backgrounds, and they're so driven. And they come to the industry with experience that a lot of people in this industry don't have, like be that in the arts or education, or, you know, maybe they worked um, as a wedding planner and they're really good at seating arrangements, which is a good thing to have. If you go work Uh at Eventbrite where they're building that kind of software and having that insight. And I think it goes hand in hand with diversity, really, that there's a lot of women and a lot of people of color and a lot of people who maybe didn't have computer science exposure are able to enter the field through those boot camps, which is
3: awesome yeah yeah the, the flip side though like the, the boot camp trend is i think mostly positive but companies need to be willing to actually hire the grads like people need to be willing to yeah. hire junior devs mm-hmm. and that means yeah. you're going to end up with people that need additional mentorship on the job and that's fine you should do that but a lot of companies don't seem to be willing to put in the time for it which is yeah. extremely frustrating yeah. so so what,
0: what is this mentorship stuff like like i mean in theory i know what you know mentorship is and i remember being assigned mentors and I'd have, like, the one phone call, and they were like, here's how you file expenses, and then i never talk to them again, which is, which is handy. Uh, but, like, what are actual things that happen in mentorship?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's interesting. I heard a talk recently at a conference where I, someone was saying people think that they don't have insight and experience to offer, but I think really everybody does. Um Personally, I, I mentor a lot of people with non-traditional backgrounds because that's kind of my path into this industry. But when I went to Hackbright, it was an all-female software engineering boot camp. And every single woman in my cohort had three mentors um, usually they were had been in the industry a very long time. Um, one was usually um, a woman, and you know either worked as uh, an engineer in the field or um, a manager. And um, it was an amazing resource to have. And of course, you know some mentors would be a little more hands on than others. But even just being able to ask, like, oh my gosh, how do I whiteboard? Or oh, like right, right, right. now that I'm going into my second um, software engineering role, saying like, hey, is this a good offer? How do I negotiate? Like, what yeah. <laughs> what is
2: what is this? Yeah.
0: How, how about how about yourself? Have you have you had any mentor epiphanies, like people helping you out with things, because and I asked because, like, because my next question is like, oh, I'd never think you would have to like show someone how to whiteboard. So there must be like five <laughs> or ten other things like that that we just take for granted, like how to tell people, like, no, I don't want to play ping pong. Like that—that's that's a good skill to learn. Social <laughs> skills, yeah. But like, uh, like, like, what, what are is there is there any like good mentor stuff that that you've come across as you've been entering this field, um, or given I, other people?
2: Sure. Um, when I got involved in my meetup group, Python KC, um, the other organizational team members, they've been very supportive. They, um, they were an all-male team, and they wanted to bring diversity in. And so they invited me, and uh, they know that I don't have that background that they all seem to have with the yeah. coding and, and software. And um, any one of them, I've, I've asked them, and I think it's because I'm, I'm willing to do the work, and they see that I'm willing to do the work. Um, I ask them for help. I, I try to ask intelligent questions, and they've been they've been very supportive, and I've been very thankful because I'm I've always been this kind of person that felt like I just need to figure it all out myself. I don't need anybody's right. help, and, and it's like boy, that's a that's a dumb way to try and get yeah, to life because yeah. you just uh, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, but I I struggle with that all the time. Like I was an only child, and so like I figure you know <laughs> no one wants to put up with me. Like I need mean to just <laughs> figure stuff out on my own, like I've always done, which is uh, it's a lot of work.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: And you may be a mentor or be getting mentorship and not know it. Like, I don't feel like mm-hmm. I've ever officially said, I'm your mentor. Like, it just kind <laughs> right. of organically happens sometimes, mm-hmm. which is sort of the magic of mentorship.
3: Or even just more distributed things like jumping on Stack Overflow and answering a question. Like, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's a much smaller experience, but it's the same mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that
2: you're worthy. You you do have knowledge to share with others, and, and they appreciate it. And sometimes you just got to jump in there and...
3: Yeah.
4: I remember the, the first job I had, uh, is kind of like, uh, uh, responsible. And it's like, well, I think a lot of sysadmins they're not, you know, there's not, even though there's like CS, right. It's like, there's not a sysadmin school. Right. And right. so you, and so you're basically like here, uh, and I got nicknamed college boy, which is you know, unfortunate because <laughs> everybody on the team is like, you know, 15 years older than me or so. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and then just kind of thrown, to the, thrown into the, you know, large responsibility with kind of a backup, you know, with with scenario where people were, like, kind of helping, like, organically mentoring. It's like, mm-hmm. it's 3 a.m., I can't figure out how to fix this, you know, and then, you know, I can call somebody. And, and that takes, um, uh, you know, that that, that is true minors- min- mentorship. Yeah. You can
0: wake someone up <laughs> at 3 in the morning and like, be like, I got no idea, right? So, uh, I still, still. Feel yeah, I guess that, that is, I mean, going back to the whiteboarding thing, like, I, I had a weird uh, brand-new job a while ago when I, I went to, uh, Go, go to work at Dell for two years and corporate strategy and M&A. And so I went to go work with a bunch of um, MBAs, which, as I always like to joke, are the people I've been trying to avoid all my life. And uh, so, you know, you go work with them. And, and I mean, now I'm, I'm realizing there was a lot of people who basically were like, Coach hey, this is how it works, right? Like, whether it's, I mean, they have a whole other style of whiteboarding and, like, here's how you put together slides and here's why you have to have a meeting for the meeting for the meeting and, like, it's a whole other world of things. And it is nice to have, like, uh some people like stay in the meeting afterwards and like give you some advice about about what's going on so i guess it is like in doing mentorship it's obviously i would be ill prepared for it but uh, because i have imposter syndrome uh but like you just have to spot those things where people don't realize the common sense and and other things and then also like i was just talking with someone who uh, who's apply who might come work on our our team which should be great and i was talking to them about like uh, here's the, what you should negotiate and the position you should get and you should do it instead of this and don't let them tell you that like, oh, for your region, that pay is just oh, that's a bunch of BS. And, like, you know, I think those kind of things are always nice to give people because we're all dysfunctional about money.
1: Mm-hmm. And it but, can be as simple yeah. as saying, I mean, I work in dev evangelism, so I'm traveling a lot. And I'm, I'm in very much in the honeymoon phase of, of traveling. And I've had a bunch of evangelists say, beware of burnout. Like, oh, you yeah, will yeah, not yeah. feel this great in a couple months. And I don't have that knowledge. I haven't been yeah. in this industry long enough. Just to wait
0: till that. you get platinum status and you'll be like, <laughs> um, this is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a uh, that's a gamification that works against you when you, you worry. Like like I'm here and I'm staying at two different Star Wars hotels over two nights because then I get double credits. Oh, and like, but then you got to pack up your stuff and it's a little like it's over the top. You the... just
1: mentored me on Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we can we can talk about
0: travel afterwards endlessly. <laughs> that's uh, that's yeah. So uh, on a on a on a dramatically different topic than that, I guess. Uh, so, uh, right now, like, Kubernetes is a big deal, right? Like, that, that seems to be something. Uh, like, are, are there any, like, uh, since we're all a bunch of fancy-pants uh, experts, like, wh- what are the hidden technologies you think might come out? Like, what are some things people are doing that, like, will be the Kubernetes of next year? That will we'll all be like, this was awesome until it became cool, and now let me tell you why <laughs> it's really bad.
4: Yeah, I, I think that will uh I mean, it's not a surprise. The serverless is kind of the big, the big word on a lot of people's mm. uh, minds, and, and everybody's thinking of Lambda and, and OpenWhisk and other other stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I, I believe that like the Kubernetes, Docker Compose, all that stuff like that, it doesn't really add a new value set. Um, like because when we went from uh, hardware to uh, VMs, like that was like six weeks to provision to like right. you know six minutes, and now we're like. Six minutes to six seconds, or whatever, right? But it's not. It's it's uh, the first one is human scale, right? The next one's kind of more machine scale of, mm-hmm. of, of savings, and uh, uh, but you still got all the operational burden of running the Kubernetes and 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 uh, cluster and doing all that all the business uh, there. Where with uh, serverless, you kind of get that that uh, you get to let go of a lot of uh, operational yeah. burden and, and concern. And 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 I was really taken aback by this uh, at serverless conf in Austin, and it, I just noticed a lot of like big companies that were like serverless was their first foray into the cloud. Like they were, oh, like, yeah. they're like, yeah, we got that, you know, virtualization. They're like thing leapfrogging. Inside. Yeah, but they're like, we're just going straight Lambda. And I'm like,
0: you know, that's actually not a horrible what, idea. What, yeah. what kind of applications were they doing that with?
4: Uh, you know, it was uh, some. let's Trying to think, like, who was who was there was big. Uh, uh, I mean, it was just like was, a lot of people were starting with uh, kind of basic type stuff and moving hmm. moving that, but they were starting to uh, take advantage of that. And I, I don't know if I should quote who. Or what sure. <laughs>
0: You, you divulged all the secrets. Since, you, since you're a big security guy, I'm sure you're, you're yeah, up for that. Yeah. How about we'll go in order? How about, how about yourself?
3: I, I would go back to my infosec roots and say secrets management is still ah. yeah. utterly in its infancy, uh, even though we've been doing this for, what, 30 years now. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, it, it's one of those things that I think it's going to be like radium cures that we're going to look back on what we were doing now and shudder.
0: And so, secrets management is like we need all these credentials to do things in the system, and we gotta have a way of storing them or whatever.
3: I mean, that- so that's that's the the simple version. But the more complicated version gets into like identity management and services having identities, and identities uh-huh. having access to certain other services or other permissions. And like secrets are a way to enable that, but maybe it's not the right way. Yeah. Um, and I think we're just starting to see, especially with uh, with some of the new sort of Docker. Istio and, and Envoy stuff. Um, looking at that sort of assigning identities to every individual microservice mm-hmm. um, is a thing that becomes a lot more viable now. Uh, you know that that was a thing with VMs. Like Amazon gives EC the the instance identity document or the the IAM credentials to the role on each machine. Or Google has similar stuff. But the container world hasn't really caught up, and it's maybe just starting to get there. So so. So, and I don't mean to interrupt the, the flow here. I mean, I guess
0: I do mean to, but apologies <laughs> for doing that. So, gel to our suits to security people, like, what's the deal with security? How come it's such this, like, weird thing that's never been fully integrated? Like, for example, nowadays, there was a time, so I stopped coding in 2006, right before virtualization and Git, so I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> uh, but, like, back then, there was always, like, a build person, and it was, like, this, uh, the weird build person. Right. But nowadays, like everyone does builds. I mean, it's like builds are like part of stuff and it's like normal. It's fully integrated, whereas like security is still kind of like a cruel mystery of like basically one of you was saying necromancer earlier today. It's like these weird necromancers over here that I don't want to screw with. And, and if I do the wrong thing, they're going to send zombies to kill me. And so like what as people who do security, like how did that come about?
3: I'm not I'm not casting any blame, but what's the uh, what's the story of it? I mean, so I think it's got. there's a couple pieces. One is that, unlike most other fields, security is a weakest link problem. So mm. if you spend eight months improving your deployment flow or your build process, your CI, it's probably going to be way better. Like, maybe there's still some weird, crafty piece of it, but it's going to be way better. Uh, if you spend eight months improving your security and you forget exactly one thing, you end up like Equifax. Like right, right. It doesn't matter how much work you put in, you missed the one thing, and that's all that it took. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leads to a culture of People seeing it as either a completely unassailable problem or the domain of dark magic or yeah. what I mean all of these sort of gross cultural things that security is a thing that either I'm not going to do or I don't want to think about. Right.
4: All right. Coach, you'll, you'll love this because I know you like history. Um, but in uh, uh, Michael Zaluski, I think it's Zalewski's how you say that. Uh, he's got a book called The Tangled Web. It's all about mm-hmm. web browser security. So you're going to look at it and be like, "Why would I?" Why it would I is buy a this?
3: terrifying book.
4: But the first <laughs> chapter, the first chapter, and the, just read that alone, and you'll, you'll be happy that you bought it. Um, it it's a uh, it walks through a, a, a tour of how uh, how security kind of has has moved over the last uh, 50 years, right? And it's like, oh, back in like the 60s and the 70s, like the Navy was like doing awesome stuff with crypto, and like and there was a lot of like uh, papers and stuff like that being generated. BUT THERE WAS A, there was a SHIFT that, THAT WE MADE LATE 80s, EARLY 90s WHERE um, INSTEAD OF LIKE ACTUALLY DOING ENGINEERING WORK, WE STARTED uh, DOING ACTUARIAL WORK. And we started doing this compliance type task. Wait, just, wait, what does actuarial mean in that context? Uh, just like like we started buying insurance policies for things. We started, we started oh, we started doing oh like, like metaphorically it's, the way yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, got yeah it, got we, it. It's to turn from engineering discipline to actuarial discipline, right? Right, and, and right. So, uh, and to risk management. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's it's a really really intriguing read. But you can see you can sort of see the track and the progression, and it's you know, the whole book kind of walks you through kind of like you know five year, ten year blocks of time. And calls out, you know, who's doing what, and then all of a sudden there's a shift into, okay, now it's like the, the world has ex- exploded, and we have all these vulnerabilities, so we're just going to like, you know, buy five hundred thousand dollar policy or a million yeah, dollar yeah, policy yeah. for different things, and and uh, we kind of gave up uh, as uh, as an industry for security on on uh, engineering uh, work. And so right, right, there's right. I think there's some revitalization coming there, but uh, it's no. like it's
0: like the metaphor of the AI winter, right, where there's like this height of stuff, and then you're just like, screw it, yeah, right, like yeah. let's let's go start eating people. But so well, we'll come back from the footnotes, but do y'all have anything on the uh, the security mystery?
1: No, I mean it's, it's funny that... it, you're like me. It's just like
0: I just just like screwed. Yeah.
1: It's funny that you kind of mentioned this like this view of security because when I went to right like the security people just felt like these secret agent cool people. They came and talked mm. to us, and they're like, "Yeah, sometimes we like literally just try to sneak in with our briefcases." And I was like, "That is so cool!" Like, yeah. <laughs> So I guess I have a different view of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. To the industry.
3: <laughs> I think a large part of it also is that every element of security requires deep domain knowledge in a way that a lot Mm. of other disciplines don't. Like, Mm. I can talk to a database administrator without deeply understanding the internals of query planners, but to talk about security, you kind of have to understand a lot about security, no matter what you're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, to harp on that book again, I think it's chapter four, goes over every major HTTP header, Mm. and the attack surface that every one of those headers provides, this is a, like, 50 or 60-page chapter. Uh, Like, the cookie (laughs) header alone... It's just you go over like all the different places you can put new lines into a cookie header and all the different ways that that breaks everything. And like, but that's the kind of thing you don't really think about if you don't have very deep knowledge of web development and HTTP and networking and OS interoperability stuff like you have to know all of that or it makes any sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end of the day, it's like a hellraiser box, I and mean, then you're screwed once you figured it out. <laughs> but yeah, uh, once I finish that history of Latvia, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, what was I asking earlier? Back up, uh, What was my question before we talked about secure such- Oh yeah. So so uh, like, what, what do you think is like something that'll be fun and interesting or, or depressingly overhyped in uh, let's say 2019? <laughs> it's almost 2018. So like. As as you're scurrying around there, do you see some things that are like, oh, this is interesting. This looks like something that uh should spread like a fungus in a positive way?
2: This answer is gonna be kind of weird. It's because I'm not in DevOps. I'm I was well, the whole Equifax thing really, you know, I was like, well, why can't we I w- I would like You'd like I'm that to not
4: happen out. anymore? Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I work I work in a medical entity and we still use a fax machine. Mm. Doctors fax patient information or you have to fax a prescription to a pharmacy and I'm like this is just this is not secure at all so we we're so big about HIPAA and changing our our passwords every 30 days but then we're faxing things to the wrong places
3: yeah even worse they still use pagers those are wireless and unencrypted like you can just arbitrarily monitor pager signals I probably shouldn't say this on the internet there's no (laughs) security at all Would
4: you say we're Equifaxing things? Maybe. Yeah.
1: Oh, the dad jokes at this conference are amazing.
0: Well, so, so then another footnote thing what defines a dad joke? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like one of those jokes where you laugh and you're just like, ugh. So it's like
0: a groaner. So, so, so then a dad joke is very similar to a pun. Because you wouldn't call yeah. a pun a dad joke, but it has a similar reaction. Think of like, it like a yeah.
1: popsicle stick joke, I guess. What's, I don't but, know, what's that? Like, you know, when you used to eat popsicles and they'd have a joke on it, it's like, uh, where did the general hide his army? So like a bazooka yeah, joke? Yeah, I was going to
0: say, bazooka
3: joke. <laughs> <or> <laughs> then, yeah.
0: I, I save those popsicles. That's yeah. where I get all my stuff. Okay. going to work off something. Okay, so then it's sort of like non-offensive. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and it's almost it's approaching like a pun, and sort of like, oh, here's an obvious thing I didn't realize, <laughs> and it's funny that the revelation of this cleverness is is the joke.
1: That well, I always make a lot of jokes. I love Indian food, and I'll make mm-hmm. jokes about non like non of the above, like you know right, that right, right. just you know where sure. it takes a couple of seconds a to laugh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of you
0: got you got to rotate those jokes around <laughs> a little bit more. Um, is that a dad joke? Yes. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so so how about yourself? What what do you think will be uh, like a fun cool thing in 2018?
1: Yeah. So this is a kind of nerdy answer, which is obviously a but weird we have, sentence. So, so say say I have to pardon the audience it. for talking <laughs>
0: about nerdy stuff.
1: Um, So coming from an arts background, I'm super excited for VR and kind of what Mm. that's going to do for the performing arts space specifically. Um, Coming from the arts, everything is on paper right now. And for everything from your programs to um, administratively in the theater. So I'm really excited to kind of be able to see, you know, Hamilton, for example. Tickets cost like $500, $600. um, And being able to make art like that more accessible to people. Um, And just other things uh, along the lines of, you know... My grandmother in Tucson has never been able to see me perform. What what if there were ways, because tickets only cover 10% or less of the cost of what it takes to produce a show. What covers
0: the other 90?
1: Uh, donations, um, like donors, grants, mostly. Um, that's that's why the arts do not pay so well and why I'm an engineer now. Um, but I'm really excited to kind of see being able to make some of these, you know, more kind of ephemeral pieces of art, being able to... Um, be given out to the masses and and i'm really excited to see the innovation and kind of the connection between theater and technology especially with vr Mm.
0: so so what do you think the last well depending on how long your answer is the last like one to three major tech innovations in theater were
1: oh man Um, i mean it's really exciting to see a lot of technology in sets and on stage Mm -hmm. now i just saw curious Uh, case of the dog in the night and the entire set was digital and had clearly been programmed, which is really cool. Is that is
0: that like they projected onto things, or what, no? What like
1: they that? had a whole kind of like light board kind of thing that lit up based on you know people touching it and moving around. I'm sure it was okay. all being kind of pulled and they got one of those background. like Trumpy
0: and orb things that they
1: messed with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that I would also say. Um, there's been a lot of kind of. well theater websites continue to be made on an angelfire.com page and it drives me crazy Um, but yeah I would just say interactive theater like now I'm seeing usually the mentality is keep your cell phones off um, but now I'm seeing a lot of interactive theater where if you tweak something you know something will pop up on stage that's really exciting too Um, yeah I'm trying to think what else I mean there's not a whole lot to be perfectly honest when I was studying and doing whiteboarding I was developing a uh, application that so if you're an actor, and mm-hmm. you go to the theater, and you, you have to sign in on the wall, there's all these kind of dates and times, and like, is Chloe in the theater? Do we need to put her understudy on? Um, like a restaurant. Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on looking over the shoulders at Cheesecake Factory at the software they use there. Um, but basically... <laughs> is just, they use that like Aloha <laughs>
0: thing? I always like to check out the POS system they have. There's always a
1: really great kind of like a pixelated picture of a palm tree or something. Yeah. You know. um, but I was just, you know, playing around with like, hey, what if everything wasn't on paper you know yeah. my dad's a director he still has all of his theater like, archives and all of the calendars from everything that he did so there hasn't been a whole lot of innovation on the administrative side of things but i think it would be super helpful and of course the mentality is a little like arts versus tech and then you see an actor post on facebook technology is ruining the arts and it's like she said on facebook like <laughs> yeah. so i'm really hoping to connect those two things together um especially you know as i i think they can usually benefit
0: each other, right? So they just benefit from the whole paperless revolution yeah. to, to start with. And, and do y'all have like the, like in uh, in movies? They have that one piece of software they have to use to make scripts. Is it like that in theater where you like have the one the one formatting, and if you don't have it, you can't do anything?
1: Basically, I mean, I. It's been really fun now that I'm an engineer to go to some of these shows that, you know, it's a commentary on engineering and you look over their shoulder on the computer that they're on and it's, you know, an Excel spreadsheet. It's like, well, if I code this thing and I'm like, oh, it looks like a really intense expense report that they're hacking right now. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a, good, that's a good final question for, for everyone. So, spreadsheets. <laughs> G- give, give me good use of spreadsheet, bad use of spreadsheet we'll 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 start start over here well let's skip me because i'm not sure let's... okay we'll come back to you
3: <laughs> uh good use of spreadsheets i uh, i track all of my conference speaking in a very large oh, spreadsheet yes. with some fancy pivot tables to figure out which talks are getting accepted where and things like that so that's been mm-hmm. nice to have Wait, what do you use for that uh, just Google Sheets. Google Sheets okay, yeah, All it's, right. It's not that fancy, but it's yeah, nice yeah. to. Yeah, I like Google Sheets
0: because it's basically Excel. Whereas, like, you go over to Numbers, and it's like, oh, we're fancy Apple people. Like, yeah. but like, you just want
3: Excel basically. Uh, bad use of spreadsheets. Um, most most of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything that is attempting to do project planning in a spreadsheet is probably doomed to failure. And 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 sit well.
0: So so. Uh, Maybe project planning for one person, like conferences, but project
3: planning for oh, sure. multiple yes. people probably and anything probably with like, fire. Yeah, I've, I've seen people try to build Gantt charts into Excel and Ooh. just like, like with background coloring. Yeah, yes, uh, that's that's smart. And, well, you say smart, I say not at all reflecting reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and at the point that the uh, the project art like the planning artifact becomes sufficiently hard to update, mm. people just won't yeah yeah that's true and then you got that one person who's always in the meeting on their laptop
0: like updating stuff
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> also
3: people really like to put time estimates in for things in uh in project planning oh, yeah. spreadsheets and i am a firm believer that engineers cannot estimate how long things will yeah take. yeah you want
0: to be a time lord when you're in it mm-hmm. or or maybe more like rick sanchez
3: depending on your mindset <laughs> but
0: said, did i did i buy enough time to think of something oh uh sure uh yeah i mean i think one yeah, one thing that I always struggle with when I when I see like
4: the bad use of spreadsheet threads is right? like always the stuff they would go into a wiki or something like that that would be a lot, lot better, right? It's kind of like some right. people can, can collaborate on. Like as a knowledge base. Yeah, but as I, I we do used love to say. I do love the uh, uh, Google Sheets uh, for stuff, right? Where you can kind of uh, correlate across stuff. All of our family uh, uh, finances and stuff like that's all in there. Or like a Christmas, really, we don't use Christmas just like, like mint idea. Oh, the, Christmas gifts. How about
0: like an Apple shared um, note? Or I don't no, know what no, Android no, people yeah, have. No, yeah, we're all all Google Sheets for that, so it's pretty helpful. Yourself, good, good use of spreadsheets, bad use of spreadsheets?
2: Well, I like to use Google Sheets to, to do my finances. Um, I did try Mint, but it was so complicated, just setting it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, I just want to do my budget. Maybe. Yeah. Don't give me any hassle. Um, I knew someone who was an accountant who actually was using Excel to write his resume instead of Word. Whoa. I was like... Well, you're scaring me. Maybe. Wow!
0: <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if for their job it would be like you know 1999, and then you go over here and you're like previous cell plus five. Like, <laughs> instead, like it's instead of actually putting a date in there. I mean, wow. hopefully you would use stuff like that. Otherwise, why have it in
2: there? You're
0: right. Yeah. How about yourself?
1: Um, Good use. So I actually just discovered Airtable. Um, Someone tweeted about it and said, I have my to-do list set up on Airtable and it's great. And um, it's very customizable. And I've been using that for my personal to-do list. Um, Bad use. So coming from an office manager background. I would sometimes get onboarded places where all their passwords would be in a Google Doc or <laughs> yeah, yeah. in a spreadsheet. And um, not not great use of, of spreadsheets. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certain MBAs I may or may not have worked with. That was their go-to yeah. solution. It's like what you were talking about earlier.
3: Yeah. Right. Secrets <laughs> management. So I can put in one bonus good one, uh, I'd, I'd have to look up the name. I can maybe put it in for the uh, the show notes. But there was a guy who had been an accountant for like 20, 30 years. And in that time, he spent all of his free time building a very large RPG game in Excel. Um, mm-hmm. It's it takes hours to finish. It's very well done. He had never taken a single programming class in his life. Wow. He just decided this is what he was going to build. It's great. Wow. Mm-hmm. So like V S lookup unlock the door. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't really know what
0: V lookup is. But, uh, I tried. This, it sounded it's, good. It sounded yeah. Good. This is my. Pro- I even said it wrong. It's V lookup, not V S. But like. <laughs> I, I can never, like, wrap my head around, like, how the spreadsheet thinks, right? Like, how, like, and this is always comes up with a pivot table where, like, you have to know how the spreadsheet thinks in order to, like, auto-generate a pivot table. Yeah. Otherwise, basically, you're just, like, clicking these buttons over and over again yep. until you get the view you want. But yeah. it's, just, it's I, I spent, like, a year trying to understand relational databases, and I think that worked out. And I need a similar mentoring session of, like, how Excel <laughs> thinks, the data model. I don't, I don't know what that is. Well, uh... So, in, in, anything else you all want to? Uh, any topics you're burning to talk about? All right, sounds good. Well, uh, why, why don't you tell people like uh, like advertise for yourself? How can they engage with your brand through your, your preferred channels? Sure, we'll start down there.
1: Um, you can just find me by my name at Chloe Condon on Twitter and LinkedIn and all the things. Um, check out my Medium. Blog, what it's like to be a woman at a tech conference. You give some claps. Yes. Is that what they do? What's <laughs>
0: what's that? What, I yeah, imagine what's you got a lot of those. What's about? that look yeah. like?
1: The, you know. the claps? It's, yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting because you used to just be able to like something once yeah. or unlike it. But yeah. <laughs> I discovered that you can clap up to 50 times for an individual well, ain't that the thing. that huh? But it's very confusing to unclap. And uh, I accidentally clapped something I didn't like so much way too many times until I figured out how to. Regret. It sounds like
0: they got some transactional problem. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay, and and then a clap results in now you get like money or something.
1: No, no? it's just uh, oh wow, someone clapped.
0: <laughs> but more than more than
4: just a heart, you know, which is the old yeah. I really, yeah. Huh. The, the claps confused it's like
1: a me. Thumbs up. You know, really, I was
0: like, what what is up with all these claps now? So, so then obviously you wrote that, as you just said, on medium. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think medium is the solution? Are we done?
1: For, for just blogging? for like
0: a place to publish stuff, yeah. Because I have a blog, and I used to be kind of a big deal in the blogging world. And now I get like ten hits a day, and so it's just like, screw this medium, no pun intended. <laughs> but like, so so should I do stuff in Medium, and that works out well, or yeah, what's the deal?
1: I I love Medium. I think that it, it makes it a lot easier for discoverability. Um, no, that's people true. search on Medium a lot, and then also sometimes you'll get published by other people on Medium, yeah, like yeah, NuCo yeah. or Women 2.0 or. Whatever, um, and then
0: you don't waste a weekend on theme selection.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just really great. You can put a GIF in there very easily. There's, yeah. you know, I mean, if you're into the coding HTML aspect of it, you know, maybe not your jam. But and I, it, it
0: doesn't it doesn't wig you out to like send your stuff to some eula you didn't read. Mm-hmm. Or in, is that right, Eula? Or is that an enterprise like Whatever. To some fine print you didn't, you didn't read?
1: I mean, it's a kind of an easy set-it-and-forget-it thing for me personally. Okay. And um, I find that a lot of people just discover my content-searching keywords that I put in there and stuff. Hmm.
0: How about yourself? <laughs>
2: uh, my Twitter handle is jstark2. and um, Was one taken? Well, <laughs> at work, my email is jstark2 because okay. jstark1 was taken. So yeah. I was like, well, we'll just continue with the theme and... Yeah, when I,
0: when I started at yeah. Dell, my email address had to be uh, Michael underscore R underscore Cote because there was another Michael Cote, oh, which wow. seemed very very unfair. But yeah. what are you going to do? He was a big fancy secure works person though, so I guess he outranked me.
3: Yeah, but, uh, yourself? Uh, I am Cantrin K A N T R N on Twitter and Code Ranger just about everywhere else. Code is my website. That's where I post things. Yourself? Cool. Yeah.
4: Uh, let's see. I'm on Twitter uh, at at Wicket. Uh, also blog at the agileadmin.com sometimes and uh, sometimes for my corporate blog do uh, uh labs.signalsciences.com
0: Exciting. Yeah. Well, great. Well, uh, thanks y'all for being on here. I just like went up to one of the organizers and I was like, "Wouldn't it be great if we did one of these?" And then they did a bunch of work to like make it happen and recruited all of you. I didn't even like have to do anything. So thanks also to the organizers. They did that. Uh, yeah. They did a fine job. And like, this is a fantastic theater we're in. Yeah. People yes, should. Uh, you should have this here next year so people can come check it out.
1: Nicer than most theaters I performed in as an actress, to be honest. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah yeah.
0: I need to go around and take pictures of all the uh, the funny stuff. Well, yeah. not funny, but the quaint. Some forty one here if you go to the lobby and snoop Dogg. <laughs> oh well, yeah that's great well uh, as always this has been uh, software defined talk in a not as always normal format if you want to see uh, the show notes as mentioned earlier which hopefully I'll put something in them you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, check that out and all the previous episodes and you know you can subscribe to the podcast and follow all these people on twitter and uh, you know one day we'll make security people nice these these people are nice but we'll, <laughs> we'll sort it out we'll see everyone next time goodbye thanks for being an audience All right, we're free to go.